This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! What's up, everyone? This is Garrett at Garrett Sisti. Jamie is at Lightning underscore round. And we are here, a late week edition of the Lightning Round Podcast. Uh, We got a lot to talk about today. We got two donations. Let's shout them out and then get in some questions. So the, the donations came from a couple of familiar names. The first one came from Marcus Terigian, who is probably our most frequent donor or our greatest benefactor, as we like to say. Yep. Thank you, Marcus, for yet another donation. We appreciate it. And the other one is from somebody I had the chance to meet at a preseason game this year, Aaron Vrabel. Very generous donation. Thank you, Aaron. We really appreciate it. Uh, keep them coming. Yeah. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Aaron. And uh, before we get into our format today, uh, some big news came down early this morning. The Chargers announced today that they are placing Mike Pouncey on IR, and they have signed former Bills interior lineman Ryan Groy. Anthony Lynn said that Feeney will replace Mike Pouncey at center, who will be out the entire 2019 season, and Forrest Lamp will be the new starting left guard. And it sounds like there's even possibly concern that that uh, Mike Pouncey might not return at all. Yeah. Um, with the neck injuries, getting neck surgery. And I think somebody asked, uh, asked Anthony Lynn if, if uh, Pouncey would come back and Lynn's response was right now, we're just glad he's okay. Yeah. Something along those lines. So that's a little scary. Uh, hopefully Mike is okay. And the surgery goes well. And, you know, he can have a, a normal healthy life with his family and his kids moving forward. And, you know, obviously, when you're talking about any kind of an injury, but especially a neck injury, football is secondary. So hopefully Mike is doing well, and he recovers quickly and can get, have a full recovery, at least to have a normal life. And then now we're on to the guy we all wanted to see on the field, Forrest Lamp. He's going to be on the field. <laughs> yep. I don't think this is quite how we wanted nope. it to happen. It cost but... us everything. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, as uh, Michael Peterson from Bolts from the Blue said, he sold his soul to the devil to see Forrest Lamp in the in the lineup, and the devil didn't say anything about taking Pouncey <laughs> from us. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunate circumstances, but uh, maybe some good will come out of it if Forrest plays well and and locks down a position, and it gives them some options, you know, for the rest of this year and going into next year. Yeah, you know, you hope everything's okay with him personally, and everything works out, and. You know, neck injuries are obviously scary, and uh, we don't know the severity of it, but uh, he's got to go in and have some surgery, and uh, Lynn wasn't sure if this was career-ending or not, so that's the uncertainty obviously isn't very good, but um, hopefully a speedy recovery, hopefully he returns too, but um, in all honesty, in terms of the play, Mike Pouncey had a really, really good about three-fourths of a 2018 season, kind of tapered off towards the end, and then going into this year... Has been pretty inconsistent. He isn't anywhere like he was at the beginning of last year. You obviously don't want him out, but uh, the positive here is, like we mentioned, Lamp is now starting in the lineup. Finally, uh, it could have been a- an easy way. They didn't have to go about it this way. They could have, you know, if they didn't have that big love affair with Michael Schofield or even tried him out at tackle where they're still having issues, uh, Lamp could have gotten the starting lineup. But it took a Mike Pouncey 
season-ending injury to get him in, and uh, we'll we'll get to see Forrest Lamp for the rest of the year. And we might be able to see Forrest Lamp going into 2020, depending on how this year goes and how Pouncey recovers from his neck injury. So there's a lot going on here, and uh, we'll see how it goes going forward. Yeah, we know the team liked Feeney at center. He saw a lot of time at center during camp and in, in uh, the preseason and handled himself pretty well there. You know, he's younger than Pouncey. He's in better physical shape in terms of, you know, his body not having the same kind of mileage on it that, that uh, Pouncey's body had. You know, we talked about Pouncey coming in when they signed him about not wanting to give him more than two years because he was banged up and he had missed a lot of time and who knew what that hip was going to look like in another year or two. Would he be able to hold up? And it turns out he's not holding up and it's not the hip, but still now they get a little younger, maybe a little stronger, maybe not quite as athletic at center. Um, and they get younger and stronger at, at guard. So maybe, maybe something good comes out of this. Like you said, maybe they, they find an answer at left guard. Maybe they find a long-term answer at center. And if Pouncey isn't able to come back, maybe they get some savings out of it too. Not that I'm rooting for him not to come back, but I think, I think uh, if he does not come back, they could probably wave injure him or cut him in some fashion and save five or six million bucks. So there's an opportunity to save some money there, maybe go fill a hole elsewhere. So you know, obviously you don't want to talk about him not coming back and root for him to not come back. But uh, you know, there there could be some developments there that could help the team in the long run if, God forbid, he's not able to continue playing. Yeah, and you know we saw the team try out Dan Feeney at center since he was a rookie. Uh, there was a lot of problems with him hiking the ball and uh, it didn't really work out. And he's stuck at left guard. Anthony Lynn talked about how this was kind of the plan when they drafted him, which seemed a little strange in that they haven't even tried it at all until now because they have to. But uh, if if they wanted him at center and they wanted a lamp at left guard, they should have tried that a lot earlier. But Still, I mean, they did a lot in preseason. They got it through the end of the game against Denver. And um, and Feeney looked pretty good at center uh, throughout the preseason and looked pretty good on Sunday, too. So, And Lamp looked really good, too. So maybe th- maybe this is a positive, hopefully. Yeah, positive um, while also, you know, keeping keeping Pouncey in our, our thoughts and hoping that he recovers and is okay long-term with or without football. Yeah, definitely. So uh, since this is a late podcast, we are going to do something a little bit different. Uh, that Denver game uh, wasn't pretty. Uh, Jamie, you didn't end up watching it, right? No. Okay. Lucky you. I did not. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the game was bad, and um, we thought we'd mix it up a little bit and do questions. We usually do it during the bye week, but uh, we just went on Twitter and said, hey, send us your questions, and we got a lot of questions we'll answer here. But before we get into it, um, I just want to see, because there was a lot of uh, – talk about how you know we should be doing a review and uh, it seems like we're kind of copping out by not doing a review for the Broncos game but um, not that not that we need to explain ourselves but uh, Jamie and I have been very very busy with our personal lives it's been a lot harder to get on here to record these podcasts so it's not so much a cop out Um, we've just been very very busy yeah um, you know I'm working a new job working more hours Um, I got softball during the week, spending 10 hours a day on Sundays coaching my daughter's softball team and another team. Um, so got a lot going on at home, got a lot going on at work and on the softball field, obviously. And with taking up that much time on Sundays, it's hard to watch the game once, let alone sit down and break it down thoroughly like we normally would and do film study and all that kind of stuff. So 
good news is for me is softball will be ending. Not that I want softball to end because I enjoy it, but softball will be ending uh, in November, beginning of November. So second half of the season, I'll be back watching the games live, doing more film study. We'll be able to hopefully do more breakdowns and get more in depth. But uh, when the game is bad and when you're this busy and you got stuff going on, sometimes it's hard to make time to, to watch it as many times as I would want to watch it to give you honest, thorough feedback. Otherwise I'm kind of half-assing the reviews and I don't really want to do that either. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Right. And we'll still break down the losses. It's not because this one was particularly bad. It's just, we didn't have time to go back and watch it as much as uh, we would like to. So uh, we're going to go ahead and answer these questions. Uh, we got a bunch of questions from you on Twitter. Appreciate you guys sending questions. Uh, if you didn't hear your question and you submitted them, it's probably because another person submitted a question a lot like yours, and we didn't want to double up. So let's go ahead and get right into it. And the first one here is from Timmy Tran Rec. Who at Bolts from the Blue staff would have the best combine performance, Jamie? Obviously me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not me. Um, <laughs> considering who is still at bolts from the blue. I would say probably Michael Peterson based on his athletic history in college mm-hmm. playing tight end at D I think a D two school, if I'm not mistaken, probably him. If Posey was still there, I'd say he might be in that, in that discussion too. That'd be my two picks. Yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to go there. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're probably right. I think Peterson, because he played football longer than any of us, he'd probably be the odds on favorite, but I'll tell you, Jamie and I aren't going out like any bitches, though. <laughs> We're definitely going to compete. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you one thing. I'm taking at least one drill. Like, I might finish top five in all the others and stuff, but I'm definitely going to boost my stock by winning, like, the best broad jump or something, you know? Believe that. I'm winning one of these. I think I'd probably take the quarterback day. I'm just throwing in your shorts? Just throw it, yeah. Not getting hit or anything like that. No, but no. I can I can dodge the brooms. Uh-huh. I can throw the ball deep and put it put it on somebody. I can I can hit a guy in stride, so yeah, I'd probably win the quarterback drill. Um, definitely not the high jump. Definitely not the broad jump. Uh, not the forty for sure. But yeah, I can throw the ball. I'd probably win the quarterback drill. That's my guess. <laughs> That's not even a drill. But you look quarterback good doing day. It. Yeah. The quarterback day. <laughs> Next question is from at a maxapack two. Uh, do you guys have a secondary team player in the NFL that you should sec- secretly root for? A lot of it is revolved around the draft for me because we kind of like plan our flags on some guys and uh, we're high on some guys, low on others. So, of course, we want to end up being right in our analysis. So uh, two guys that I'm particularly high on recently are um, Jair Alexander and Lamar Jackson, who a lot of people had a lot lower than I had. And uh, the fact that they're both doing pretty good is nice. But in terms of a secondary team, I'm uh, everything New Orleans, anything and everything. So I'm definitely rooting for the Saints whenever I can. Having Breeze over that quarterback doesn't hurt either. But uh, I'm always rooting for the Saints in the NFC. I'm hoping they're always going to the Super Bowl. You? Um, In terms of players, I mean, obviously there are guys that we liked in the draft, guys that we want to see pan out. Um I'd say Alexander's a good one. I'm trying to think of I don't really follow other teams. I spend all my time on the Chargers, but um you know, teams that I enjoy watching. Saints are fun to watch. Uh the Rams are fun to watch. I know that's taboo, but they're fun to watch or they can be sometimes. All right. Next question at Bobby underscore runs. Uh he's got a three parters. I'll throw each one at you. 
Is Patrick Mahomes or Christian McCaffrey going to win most people their fantasy league? Which one is it? I'd say probably Mahomes is my guess. Yeah. No, it's definitely Mahomes. I mean, every fantasy league is kind of skewed towards quarterbacks anyway, and some have crazy high like yardage points. So Mahomes is definitely winning more people leagues than McCaffrey. I agree with you there. Uh, next question, best TV program you've watched in 2019? A couple shows that I really enjoy. One is Power on Stars. Um, have you seen that? Yeah. Really good show. Yep. I'm also watching The Mayans, which is the Sons of Anarchy spinoff on FX. And I'm waiting for um, uh, Better Call Saul to come back. I think that's going to be – I enjoyed the last season. I think that's going to be really good when it comes back. The Breaking Bad movie's coming out in a couple days. I know. I can't wait for that. El Camino, I, yeah. I got a feeling uh, both Jesse and Walt survived. Mm, okay. I really enjoyed the second season of Barry. I thought that was phenomenal. Chernobyl on HBO was a really good limited series, and I I know it just won a bunch of awards, so uh, nobody would be surprised by it, but Fleabag was really good too. Uh, last question here from Bobby Runs. Does Rivers play more than one year in powder blue in SoFi Stadium? I mean, if he signs an extension, he's probably going to wind up signing for two years. I'm kind of wondering if he's going to sign that extension. So, Are you saying you think he might retire after this year or re-sign somewhere else? I think he might retire. Hmm. Um, I just find it really strange that there's been no talk basically about his extension and except for him saying he's cool waiting and how many – you know, high-end quarterbacks, do you know, are willing to wait for their payday to come while everybody else gets paid. So um, I'm just wondering if he's waiting to see how things play out this year. He might not be real happy with how the offensive line has been put together. Uh, just kind of wondering if maybe maybe he's had his fill and he's ready to walk away. He doesn't need the money. He said he doesn't want to play into his 40s, and there doesn't seem to be a rush to re-sign him. So maybe he's already had that conversation with the team, like, hey, if things don't go well this year, Maybe I'm going to call it quits, and that's why there's no rush to re-sign him. Just a hunch. I hear you. I think he's definitely weighing it. I think that's probably why they didn't get anything done. You just want to see how this play, has, how this year kind of plays out and if he wants to return or not. But I think he ends up re-signing. I think this team is close enough that he wants to give it two more years. So, you know, I say, two, I say he plays two years in uh, SoFi Stadium. But... I think at the beginning of the year, I, I was more confident that he'd re-sign, but as, his, as these games are starting to tick away and the losses are piling up and just how this year is starting to uh, unfold, it's a little bit harder to uh, – it's it's easier to understand why he might hang it up after this year. Yeah, you got to think he's frustrated with the offensive line. He basically oh. hasn't had a, had a line since like 2009. Yeah. So. Uh, next question is from AC Hernandez 17. He says, I love the show, but you and Jamie seem to be in agreement most of the time. Is there anything about the chargers you vehemently disagree on? That's a good question. Cause I can't come up with anything. I think most of our disagreements come during the draft. You know, we kind of go back and forth on some of those. Like I like players more than you do and vice versa. I don't think we've ever been on a player where you absolutely hate them and I love them. We haven't got that part, but, um, Nothing really comes to mind in terms of the Chargers, though. I It just seems like um, uh, we kind of look at the game through the same lens. Uh, we have differing opinions, but um, nothing that we like really, really disagree on. Can you think of anything? No, nothing that really stands out. I feel like we have a, a similar perspective for the most part. So we tend to see things 
if not exactly the same way in a very similar fashion. And maybe that's not the best way for controversial podcast or radio, but it seems to be, <laughs> it seems to be working. So <laughs> it's definitely working. I mean, what, it's definitely not an echo chamber. There are a lot of things that we definitely disagree on. So I don't want to say that we agree on everything. But um, but yeah, I don't know if there's anything that we uh, totally don't see eye to eye on chargers wise. That's a good question though. Uh, next question is from at J Rudy ninety six. Who are the Chargers going to draft with the ninth pick in the draft this upcoming year? Uh, based on the way things are going, probably the top running back in the draft. <laughs> uh, hopefully an offensive tackle uh, i haven't had a chance to watch any film yet i haven't seen a whole lot of college football so me neither I don't really know the specific names at the moment but um you'd hope it's an offensive tackle maybe maybe a guard maybe nah, you wouldn't take a guard at nine hopefully an no. offensive tackle but yeah based on their history and the way things are going with gordon and you know would anybody be surprised if they took a took a running back at number nine <laughs> surprise no no we'd have to go through that whole that whole thing again that we went through with gordon talking about how we hated that pick and trading up for it and oh man i hope they don't do that now if they have the ninth overall pick and they pick a running back uh the odds are at that spot it'll actually be a good running back this time so there'll be that (laughs) (laughs) because this class is pretty good Um, but i agree i think it's an offensive tackle and the only name i know just because i've heard it is that Iowa tackle Tristan Wirfs, I think his name is. I'll I'll just throw that name out there only because it's the only tackle I know that's coming out this year. That's pretty good. And they seem to churn out the tackles, so that would yep. work. Yeah. Uh, next question is from at Panic Whistle Twenty One. Going forward, do you think the Chargers could still get to ten wins? Man, this is so tough. Because okay, so they sit at two and three, which means they could only lose three more games to get ten wins. They got to play. The Chiefs twice, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Jacksonville looks better with Minshew. Uh, they got to play the Raiders twice, who are looking better than most expected. They already lost the Broncos, and they got to play them again in Denver. Man, that's tough. That's really tough because the schedule doesn't get that much easier. I mean, it's kind of easy right now for the next couple games, but there's going to be. We keep saying a, that, and yet they keep losing. So I know. Maybe we should exactly. stop saying that. It's not like they're taking advantage of it. Um,. Do I think they'll win 10 games? You know what? I think 10 wins seems like they're ceiling at the moment. And I'll, you know what? Yeah, I'll say they finish 10 and 6. I think they can. He didn't say, do we think they will? He said, can they, right? Oh, uh, do you think the Chargers could still get to 12, 10 wins? Yes, they definitely could. Uh, now, let's let's make it interesting. Do you think they get to 10 <laughs> wins? Only because they start to get some of the guys back now. Hunter's right. close to returning. Derwin, Adrian Phillips are on their way. The, the offensive line scares the hell out of me, but I think other positions are going to be healthy enough that, I yeah, I think they'll probably still win 10 games. Yeah, we both had them with 11 wins. All right, next question, at Ryan Griffiths 9. Have either of you changed your opinion on drafting a big run-stopping defensive tackle like Dexter Lawrence in the first round? After how awful a run D has been so far this season, I would love one if I'm being honest. That's Ryan's comment, not mine. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I, I can read. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm talking about for the listeners that heard me say, I would love okay. one if I'm honest. Yeah. All right. Um, no, I haven't, and I will tell you why. Because I think there are opportunities to get big run-stopping defensive tackles later, like in the third and fourth rounds, and I think there's more value in doing it then if you're willing to pull the trigger on that. Um I just think there are other more important positions to fill. And I don't, I mean, their defensive tackles aren't great. 
I think we've seen some flashes from Jones. We've seen a couple flashes from Tillery. It sounds like he played reasonably well last week, although Jones he hasn't been consistent. Great. So I, I think there are some guys there that can fill some holes and make some plays against the run. But I think the bigger problem right now is they have two of the slower, least athletic linebackers in the league playing together in the middle of that defense right now. And they're missing a lot of reads, uh, missing a lot of run fits, missing a lot of tackles. They're, they're just a mess in the middle. And I think they need to get faster and more athletic and more explosive in the middle to make more plays against the run. And I think that's a change that will probably be coming in the next couple of weeks. At least I hope it is. seems like they're already starting to realize that the Thomas Davis was a mistake and Perriman's constantly back um, banged up. And maybe we'll start seeing more of Tranquil on that mic spot. So I do think fixing the linebackers will help with the running game, the run defense a little bit. And no, I would not spend a first-round pick on a big run-stopping defensive tackle, particularly not an early one. But I, I didn't particularly like taking a defensive tackle late in the first round like they did last year. So to do mm-hmm. it early in the first round, I just think it's a it's an overreaction and a reach and a waste of draft resources, in my opinion, regardless of what the run defense looks like right now. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make uh, any sense to draft a run-stuffing defensive tackle unless they can get after the quarterback, and Dexter Lawrence cannot. Though he's actually played pretty good this year. He might have two sacks, I think, uh, with the Giants. But uh, no on Dexter Lawrence, absolutely not. haven't changed my mind on that. Um, still think you can get a lot of good run-stuffing defensive tackles later on in that draft. And if you listen to any of the draft, draft podcasts like Jamie mentioned, we didn't want Tillery either, to be honest with you. And um, they didn't really... Uh, upgrade their defensive tackle unit as much as you'd like. They elected to re-sign Mebane again, and they just kind of leaned on that development of Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery, and uh, it just isn't enough. And, you know, when you talk about this uh, run defense not being very good, it's because nothing's really changed. It's the same result. They re-signed Mebane, which wasn't working the last two years, to two more years. Uh, nothing's really changed up the middle. They've got Justin Jones, but as we saw last year, he wasn't... Uh, that great. He flashed uh, a lot uh, against the Broncos. I'll definitely give him that. And uh, hopefully we see a lot more of that. But Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones just aren't the answer. And so uh, no on Dexter Lawrence and the run D does not look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. I agree. I th- well, I think the run defense could get better if they make some changes at linebacker. I think that would help oh, quite a bit. Definitely. You mean if they got their more faster, athletic, better linebackers better like players on the field? Kaiser yeah. White and Drew Tranquil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the that it's players. driving me. It's starting to drive me nuts right now because last year the reason why they won so many games is because they were so damn fast, and yet now they're playing the slowest linebackers that are running like they're in quicksand next to each other. They're basically doing the same exact thing, moving in slow motion and making tackles five or six, seven yards past the line of scrimmage. When you've got fast guys, Kaiser White got an interception already. Thomas Davis and Denzel Perryman have not made any plays. Well, I take that back. I think Perryman had the fourth fumble on one of the games. Am I wrong on that? I, or was that preseason? That, that was preseason. Oh, well. Doesn't count. Okay, then he's got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he did have one run stop. Who was that against? A couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. Was it against the Colts. He had a big run stop. Yeah, it was like on a game. third or fourth down, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that he made one play. Okay. All right. I'll give him one. All right. I'm not giving Thomas Davis shit. No, no, he's been bad, and the the coverage is a big issue too. Not only can they not tackle, but they can't run or cover. 
and they're both in the middle of the defense blowing coverages. It's painful. And Tom Ass Davis will catch on soon. <laughs> it hasn't already? I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question is from at Superbolts28. He says, if you guys were GMs, would you start tanking for next draft or what are the options in trying to get a reliable right tackle and left tackle? These two dudes, Scott and Tevi, are definitely are not the answer. And please cut DeZubner and Travis. Thanks, guys. I think it's too early to start up the tank talk. We can't quite go there. Now, if they lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers on their third string quarterback, we might <laughs> we might start sniffing around <laughs> the, the tone tank might change sure. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. But uh, they don't have any reliable tackle options. I've got no answers for you. Uh, they didn't make any necessary moves in the offseason to accommodate that group that's already thin and you know other than throwing lamp out there which they're not going to do now with the pouncy injury they can't they they can't afford to do that and you know i guess you could sign a guy like jeremy parnell which we've mentioned on the podcast before but you know he's in his 30s is that somebody you want to go after i don't know uh i guess it'll get better if and when russell okung returns it kind of seems more like an if he ever returns more than when but uh, in terms of the in terms of please cut Dzubner and Travis, that's a phrase we were uttering in 2017. So Done. sure, cut. yeah, go ahead. Done. You got no <laughs> argument from us. We've been saying it since since uh, they got Travis Benjamin, really in 16. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are no answers at right tackle and left tackle. You know, I've seen people saying they should sign Parnell, like you mentioned. I mean, he's a free agent for a reason. Nobody seems like they're in a rush to to sign him, and there are ta- problems at tackle everywhere throughout the league. Everybody's having issues with that right now. So um, there are no solutions. They don't have anybody aside from trying to fit Pipkins in there and get him more time to see if they can develop him on the fly on the field. There's really no solutions, uh, and they just lost maybe their best solution at right tackle, which was Forrest Lamp because now he has to play left guard. So they're stuck. Uh, and yes, Scott and Tevi are bad. They are not the answer. They are god awful. Tevi just keeps getting worse. Scott will flash every once in a while and then blow four or five blocks in a row. He's been brutal. And uh, yeah, done. Dzubner and Travis, they're cut. They're gone. Are you happy? Makes yeah, me you happy. don't even. <laughs> no, you don't even have to put that in there. You got no argument from us. Done deal. That's my first move as a GM is to cut Travis and and. Uh, and Nick at Shafee G. Why does the defense start so poorly every game? Miami has never led in a game this year until they played the chargers. The Broncos have not been great, but Flacco, not great. They didn't win a game, uh, but Flacco looked like the Super Bowl champion quarterback against the chargers defense in the first half. Why so slow, Jamie? Why it's the same. It's the same story that we see in the first, you know, five or six games every year. Um, they're, playing that zone heavy scheme Gus is waiting for the zone to work. It's not working. And eventually he's going to have to start making changes, but he's got, you know, Davis and Perriman in the middle of the field, missing tackles. They can't cover. Uh, he's, he had face on out there for a while playing corner. He can't cover. He can't run. He can't cut on a dime. He's a mess out there. You got Jenkins missing tackles. So you've got the combination of this soft, conservative zone with no real interest in creating pressure and a bunch of slow guys in the middle of the defense they're i mean they're at a disadvantage and they're not putting them in the best position to succeed 
They're not giving them opportunities to make plays. I mean, it's the same. We talked about this last year for the first four games. That's about when they inserted Adrian Phillips into the dime defense and things started to turn around. And unfortunately, they don't have Adrian to do that with this year. So they've got to figure out another answer. And I got to think it's going to be the linebackers. It almost has to be the linebackers, and it'll probably somehow involve Nasir Adderley, whether it's in nickel and dime defense or back there at free safety. Something's got to give. We've talked about this. We're all accustomed to it as Charger fans. That's just kind of how it goes. It seems like the Chargers kind of drag their feet through the first quarter, two quarters, and uh, don't make adjustments until they absolutely have to. And uh, that's kind of what we're seeing now. And the thing about Flacco, though, I thought in the first half it was mostly the Denver running game that was killing the Chargers. I don't know if it was so much Flacco, but still, I mean, Lynn doesn't have this team playing four quarters. It happened last year. Some years we see, you know, the Chargers start out slow and finish fast and or vice versa. And now we're just kind of seeing them start out slow and then kind of get going a little bit, but not enough to win games. So do we think it's fair to say at this point through five games that this is a defense that seems to be reading their own press clippings and believing a little bit too much about what other people are saying about them as opposed to going out and making things happen? Could be. I mean, we, we all see this uh, Jack Boys mentality every morning before the game uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, you know, they're always taking pictures and uh, flashing. And, I you know, I, I love the confidence and stuff, and that's all great. But, I mean, maybe. I thought this probably has something to do with it. It seems like, uh, you know, they haven't done shit yet. So uh, they hopefully they'd like to earn that, but maybe. I mean, it almost seems like you've got Bosa and King playing extremely well and even Hayward playing really well, and everybody oh, else yeah. just thinks that if they show up, they're going to win. There's just no – doesn't seem to be a whole lot of focus or determination, just kind of, hey, we're good, we're going to show up, we're going to roll in, we're going to steamroll people, and then it doesn't happen, and they're shell-shocked. Seems to be. Uh, next question is from at Charger TKC, and he says he actually has – First, he says, I wish I wasn't so broke and I could donate to the podcast. Us too. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, and the question is, uh, he says, my question is, Tillery doesn't seem to be really making an impact. How long should it take for an inside defensive lineman to really get adjusted to NFL play? What could be to blame for not having that first rounder impact right now? Every player's different, obviously, right? But the more... Uh, I'm watching Tillery, and it seems like uh, he's been a focal point of mine for the last two, three games now just because he seems like he's been invisible on the first watch. But it seems like in college uh, he would rely on the athleticism, and that made for like an easy day in college. And it's just not cutting it through the start of the season. He's having to rely on his technique, and that just isn't up to par. His size is being used against him right now, and it's hurting the Chargers up front, especially in the run game. It just seems like he's kind of getting bowled over. Uh, he's playing a little bit too high, and the speed isn't winning as much as he'd like. And also, you know, I just think it's going to take a little bit longer with Tillery, and I think we got completely spoiled with Derwin James. I don't think there is a first-rounder impact, especially drafting that late in the first round, you know? So... I think anybody you would have drafted there probably would have taken a little bit of time, but for Tillery, it's going to take longer than most had expected. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned something that I think is playing a key role in it, and it's his size. You know, most defensive, most interior defensive linemen in this league are you know six two, six three tops. They're not overly long. They they carry a little bit more bulk. They're harder to move. Tillery is long and lean, and he's I think six five or six six. He's a giant guy for for an interior lineman. 
and he's having a hard time staying behind his pads and he's getting thrown around a little bit. Even when he does penetrate, he tends to lose his balance because he's a little bit out of control. Um, the game might be a little bit too fast for him, but I think the big thing is just the technique. Um, he can't win just on athleticism and the technique isn't good enough to make up for it. So the technique needs to develop. The pad, the pad level needs to improve. The balance needs to improve through contact. Um, and, you know, it might be, you know, I said this during the draft process and it's too early to say this definitively right now, but could also be that, you know, he might be better suited to playing, to be playing outside. You know, maybe if the team decides not to bring back um, Melvin Ingram when his contract is up, maybe you could see Bosa play the Leo and Tillery play the, the, the base end position to get Tillery more on the outside and use his length more to his advantage because that length is definitely a disadvantage inside. Uh, takes him. It's just taking him too long to unwind and get into defense, get into offensive linemen. So maybe you could see a move outside at some point. I'm obviously not suggesting that right now as a first round pick. You don't want to start yanking him in and out of positions yet. But just kind of watch that pad level and watch that technique. And as that starts to develop and improve, uh, his play will probably start to develop and improve as well. But right now, it's mm. just not there. Uh, at Glogin TV. Despite a strong finish last year, does Lynn's stubbornness with keeping players in, like a die last year, Jenkins, Schofield, Benjamin, etc., affect how good of a coach you think he is? I know you and Garrett were high on him, rightfully so, but these decisions are costing them wins right now. I guess what I don't, what I'm not sure of here is who's making these calls. Uh, granted, Lynn is the head coach, and it's his decision. It's ultimately his decision, but is he is he letting his coordinators make these decisions because he's talked about wanting to let his coordinators coordinate and control their room, so to speak, um, from week to week so he could focus on the details. So the question for me really is, is it Lynn that's making these bad decisions? Is it the coordinators and is Lynn giving his coordinators too much leeway to make these decisions? I'd like to see him start kind of jumping in and, and making some of these changes himself and maybe forcing the coordinators to be a little bit more aggressive earlier in games just so they can get out of the gate faster. Um, I'm not ready to, to close the book on Lynn yet, but there are some game management issues that are concerning um, the the insistence on sticking with veterans, uh, kind of starting to remind me a little bit of McCoy. So hopefully he breaks that mold here pretty soon. Um, I'm not going to say he's a bad coach, but I'm saying that there are enough red flags popping up that it's something to certainly monitor for the rest of the season to see if he starts changing the way he's handling things right and for the record we both were not high on anthony lynn at all when they made the initial hire we were not a fan of his and uh we have praised his development as a coach last season and a lot of the good things he's done but um we did not like him at first so uh that's that's on record but uh, not because it's going bad now but because he said we were high on him we're we were high on him when uh he was doing the the right thing but you know, I think, you know, giving these veteran players tenure this season is is hurting their chances of winning, like you mentioned. And I think it definitely affects how good he could be because right now he's not getting the best players on the field. The question is, who's making those decisions? Is it the coordinators? I got to think that everything runs through Lynn, whether, you know, it's going to be Jenkins of free safety or if they want to put Lamp in the lineup or whatever the move may be, yanking Kaiser White out of the lineup when he was good in it taking Eckler out and putting so much of Gordon in against Denver, that's got to go through Lynn somehow. I mean, they got to at least bring that up to him. So 
I think he definitely has some blame in it. I don't know who is responsible and who takes all that on, but it's definitely hurting the team right now. For sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a lot of things they need to fix, um, decisions to make, uh, game planning issues that need correcting, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, ultimately he is the head coach, so it falls in his lap, but we just don't know how much of that stuff he's he's involved in day-to-day and how much of it he's letting his coordinators decide. But at some point here pretty soon, he's going to have to jump in and start making those calls if he isn't already. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Next question is from at Cali Dislocated, and he asks, what do you think of Ken Wisenhunt's and Gus Bradley's performance so far this year? Uh, so for the positives... I thought Ken Wisenhunt's game plan for Austin Eckler early in the year was awesome. I thought he was great in the role that he had Eckler playing, getting him in space, making sure to get him the ball, especially in the passing game. Everything was working. The offense was much more explosive. And then here comes Melvin Gordon, and everything comes to a screeching fucking halt against Denver. Uh, the way Gus was lining up Bosa and Ingram on the same side against Indy was beautiful. Uh, he had some uh, nice blitz packages at times. But with all that being said, I don't think anyone's happy with how this team is playing or these coordinators. Gus has those strange rotations like we mentioned. Wiz is focused on the wrong guys on offense. That entire drive, the first drive against Denver, they had Thomas Davis and Denzel Perryman playing against each other and next to each other and basically playing against each other to see (laughs) who would miss the tackle first. And those two are just dead weight on the field together. And then Wiz catering an entire offense to Gordon when he's just returning in-game, having no experience in preseason, just getting some NFL practice for the first time, and you're going to give him a full workload. This is bad. There's a lot of bad stuff, uh, a lot of mismanagement. And uh, you know, if we're giving him a letter grade, I guess it's a D from me through five games. There's been uh, some flashes of good, but barely. Um. I think early in the season, like you mentioned, Wiz was doing a pretty good job. Uh, he was getting the guys who needed to get the ball in position to, to make plays. You know, that first game um, against the Colts, it was all Eckler and Allen and Williams and Henry and Jackson. And they were moving the ball basically at will. They left some points on the field, but they were moving the ball extremely well. And... That kind of continued, but then they started losing some of their weapons and they started to struggle. And even still, they had, what, three, four touchdowns taken off the board because of penalties on big plays. Huge, I think two of them were, at least two of them were 50-plus yard plays. So he's putting these guys, he was putting these guys in a position to succeed and they were making plays and then they were shooting themselves in the foot with penalties that were costing them points that would have made his performance, at least in terms of whiz, would have made his performance look completely different. You know, if they come out of the Houston game with a win, if they come out of Detroit with a win, it's a totally different story, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about Wiz in a completely different light. We're, granted, I didn't see the game last weekend, but you're talking about him saying, well, first four games were great. They had a little bit of trouble working Gordon back in. Maybe they'll figure that out this week. Um, I think the problem is is that Wiz has a tendency that he struggles maximizing his best players at times. And he'll focus on one or two guys and leave other guys out of the game plan. So hopefully he can correct that because it seems like there's no 
There's no they, he has no idea how to include how to involve Eckler and Gordon in the same game plan. It's one or the other, and there's no there's no continuity in what he's doing with those guys, and that's frustrating. With Bradley, I think the zone defense is the big thing. And granted, he's down a lot of his star players, and that's going to have an impact. But that soft zone defense is maddening. And the insistence on sticking with two slow linebackers in the middle of that defense is maddening. Leaving guys like Tranquil and White on the field is maddening, or off the field, excuse me, is maddening. And then you, you, you can't get Adderley on the field, despite the fact that they've only got one quote-unquote safety in Jenkins on the field at the moment. So lots of concerns. Um, I would say if I was giving them a letter grade, I'd probably be a little bit kinder to Wiz, just because I think he did a pretty good job and didn't have much to show for it in the first four games. So maybe a C plus, um, C, C plus somewhere in that range. Bradley, I think is a little lower, uh, because of the personnel decisions and because of that zone defense. So I'm going to give Bradley probably, I'll give him a D. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think it's a good point that a lot of their points got wiped off the board. I mean, it doesn't count. And in retrospect, you know, uh, they ended up losing both those games, but there was a lot of, good explosive plays and they were getting a lot of points on the board, but they were just being wiped off by these awful penalties. Yeah. I mean, the offense is for the most part before the, before last week, the yeah. offense was basically moving the ball at will against everybody. Without Gordon, you can, we can Without just Gordon. say, it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got our last question here. It is from at underscore four ND underscore M. Uh, fix that, whatever that is that you maybe read. You got two underscores in your in your at, huh? Anyway, uh, who are the best players who might leave next season? I.e., are we better off going for it now or getting better picks for next year? Well, I mean, the players that are, but that could potentially leave after this season are Desmond King, um, Rivers. Obviously, his contract is up. Jatavis Brown. Um, trying to think of who else. Gordon, Adrian Phillips. Gordon, obviously, Adrian Phillips. Is Des King a free agent? His contract is up after this year. This is year four for him, and he was a fifth round pick. This is this is King's third year. He was drafted in seventeen. So that's a few of the names that could leave. Hunter Henry. I forgot Hunter Henry. I think. I I'd say probably if I was going to pick one of those guys or two of those guys to leave. Well, obviously, I think Gordon's probably gone. I think we've all probably come to grips with that. Um, but outside of Gordon, oh Eckler is going to be in a, a restricted free agent at the end of the year yep. as well. Um, but if you leave Gordon out of the situation, because I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion, unless they franchise tag him and they want to go through this whole holdout thing again next year. Um, I think the most likely guys to leave, uh, I'd say Jatavis Brown is probably all but gone, just based on where the linebacker room, the linebacker group is now. And I'd say Hunter Henry, just because of the injuries and the uncertainty of whether or not he's going to stay healthy and can they rely on him and should they pay him and What's it going to cost to keep him? There might be an outside chance that he winds up going somewhere else just because they decide that they don't want to meet his number and he's not willing to come off that number. Uh, that probably won't happen, but he's probably the most likely of those big-name guys to to potentially go somewhere else just based on the injury history and not knowing if they can count on him. That's a lot of names that could be a free agent in 2020. Gordon Rivers, Phillips, Eckler's restricted free agent. Hunter Henry, but, um, you know, that's, that's something we had talked about uh, a couple weeks ago about how Telesco never really moved the needle. 
it seems like at some point, no matter what, they got to go out all in with. If they've got Philip Rivers, they got to go all in at some point. Uh, I don't think you can start taking seasons this late in his career. I mean, imagine if they only won like five or six games. Would you want to come back as Philip Rivers and re-sign a contract? I don't think so. So, you know, if they end up re-signing Rivers and he's on this roster, they have got to do something. You know, Telesco has, and we mentioned it, he's always kept them good enough. But that's kind of, now the team's in this football purgatory because of it. And uh, there's got to be some significant move coming up soon. So I'm not for getting picks yet. Um, I don't know how bad this team's going to be yet. We all have hope that they're going to turn it around. They were so good last year. But, yeah, I, I'm not all for uh, getting better picks quite yet. I think no. we got to start going and uh, going for it soon. Yeah, no, I'm not – um, I'm not. I'm not in the tank mode yet. I think it's going to take a while for me to get there, just based on the team they have and the opportunity they have. I think they can still pull it together as guys start coming back. So I'm not in that. I'm not in the tank mode. I think they still need to try to win it now while they still got Rivers, because who knows what could happen if they fall apart and wind up with, you know, a five or six win season. Yeah. And by the way, you were right. King was drafted in 17. I thought it was 16. So he oh, he's okay. a free agent after next year. Oh, yeah. But still, still a lot of names, especially Rivers being the biggest of, him, of yep. them all. Definitely. All right, guys. That does it for us. Appreciate you guys listening to this late week edition of Lightning Round podcast. I am at Garrett on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.